Hi everybody, it's Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. I hope you're doing very well. This is Please Stop Defending Freedom, Part 2. Libertarians, voluntarists, those who prefer nonviolent solution to complex social problems such as the poverty and uh, the provision of health care for the needy and the old and uh, income support for those who have uh, undergone particular hardships in their life, we face a lot of flack from what seem pretty much like pompous know-it-alls because we are perceived to not be caring about the poor. That when we say that the welfare state is a moral evil and a productive catastrophe, then we're said, well, and we want the poor to die in the streets, we want the old to starve, and so on. And I think it's worth... If you're faced with this perspective, and I'm sure that if you argue for peaceful solutions to social problems, that you will face this perspective. I think it's really, really important to ask the following question, which is, what's going to happen to the poor? I mean, we could talk about any group, but let's just talk about the poor. What's going to happen to the poor when the government runs out of money? Almost all governments in the world are running out of money, but we'll focus on the United States just because this is where I think the greatest uh, traditions of liberty live still in the world in many ways and uh, where the problems are so glaringly obvious that they don't really require much proof or discussion of you know the, the trends of the debt and the deficits and so on. What is going to happen to the poor when the government runs out of money? What is going to happen to the old? What is going to happen to the sick? What is going to happen to the children? when the government runs out of money. Everybody wants the poor to be better off. Everybody wants sick people to get health care uh, as much as humanly possible. Everybody wants these good things in society. The re really, the only question comes down to, are we going to provide these things through force, or are we going to provide them through voluntary interaction? Now, the problem with providing things through force is that uh, I believe that violence is equally, uh, it's the same as, as heroin, right? Insofar as violence will give you a brief respite from your ailments, right? So if you're a sad, depressed, or really miserable human being, taking heroin will give you a brief respite. But then the problem is there's a crash wherein the, the consequences are worse than if you had simply patiently worked on building up your own happiness, confronting your demons, getting therapy, whatever it is that you need to do to become a happier person. When you take that shortcut route of a drug, you end up with more problems than when you started, although there does seem to be a, a high that is convincing for a short period of time, right? So somebody who's on heroin, when you say, no, 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 you, you really shouldn't be taking heroin, you should go and see a therapist to, to get yourself right with yourself, they will say, well, you're crazy, I'm, I'm doing great, you know, you just want me to be miserable, right? You get all these kinds of things, and it's exactly the same when we see society from the perspective of voluntarism and violence, when we see a society addicted to violence to solving its problems in the form of the welfare state and Medicare and Medicaid old age security, using guns to herd money and resources from one section of the population to another through this highly corrupt means of mob rule democracy. When we see this, we say, mm, you know, this is going to crash and it's going to be much worse than if we had simply patiently built built up the economy, built up the wealth in society so that those who wanted um, to have more money or more resources sort of save for their retirement would have every available means and, and charity and so on would, uh, would fill in the rest for those who'd been improvident and who uh, could get help that way. 
And we've sort of been making this argument for, for many, many years. And the statistics certainly back us up. If you look at the post-war period, the percentage of those under the poverty line was dropping by one percentage point a year until Lyndon Johnson's Great Society came into being. And then the rates of poverty decline stopped, right? So there was slowly and, and difficult, with, with difficulty at times, and certainly imperfectly. The problem of involuntary poverty was being solved. I mean, there is voluntary poverty, you know, like people who quit high-flying jobs as software executives to do crazy internet podcasted videos <laughs> on philosophy. There is a voluntary kind of poverty, which is not uh, a problem. But there is involuntary poverty, uh, people who can't pay their bills, people who can't put a roof over the, an adequate roof over their children's heads. And those things definitely need to be addressed within society. But when you do it through, uh, through violence, through force, you will gain a temporary alleviation of the symptoms. And the problem is that in the long run, things will be much, much worse, right? A thief can go and steal $10,000 rather than get a minimum wage job. And he will be, you know, months and months of work will be in his hands uh, in a single moment. But the problem is that uh, he's not developing a work ethic. Uh, he's not developing a resume. He's not developing those kinds of habits. Uh, and so he's going to be that much more likely to continue to steal, Although he's going to, you know, when he's got that $10,000 in his fist, he's going to dance past the guy sitting in the uh, drive through window at McDonald's uh, saying, you know, nana nana boo boo, uh, I, uh, I've got the money and you're a sucker working for minimum wage. But uh, if you look at these people 10 or 15 years down the road, it's, uh, it's a big problem, right, for the, for the thief versus the guy who's, uh, who's, you know, doing the slog and starting the work and, and putting in the time. So in the same way, uh, when there's a sort of slow um, alleviation of the problem of poverty through voluntarism, through a general growth in the economy by having a small government or, you know, ideally, of course, a stateless society. But when you have that alleviation of poverty, what happens is uh, uh, people say, well, now we have so much wealth in society, we can just get rid of the rest of poverty by taking the wealth, right? It's like, I'm doing so well in therapy, I can now take heroin without negative consequences because I'm so much happier now than I was before. But you take heroin, you backslide, you drop out of therapy, and eventually things are just even worse than they were before. And so when you look at the problem of poverty and you say, well, let's get a big government agency which takes 70% of the overhead and very little of the money gets to the poor. Let's uh, end up with people getting stuck in, in poverty because you don't have to uh, have a two-parent uh, family to raise kids and you don't uh, have to have a job. And uh, Charles Murray writes about this, uh, I think, very eloquently uh, when he describes the different financial incentives that came in after the welfare state came in for poor people, that they were better off uh, having children and being on welfare than they were getting jobs and all that kind of thing. It's not everyone doesn't do that, but enough people do it that it becomes a significant problem. So you have a multi-generational system that is in place where people's, you know, work ethics have decayed, uh, their initiative has decayed, their confidence has decayed, right? Every, every muscle you don't exercise goes, gets weaker and more flaccid. And uh, when you have generations uh, stuck in this underclass of the welfare state, you have a big problem because uh, when the welfare state ends, as it will, right, there's always a crash. Violence will produce a high and then a crash. And the welfare state has produced a high. Initially, it was like, wow, look how quickly the poverty rate is going down. We, you know, look how happy I am now that I've shut up the smack. But uh, the problem is, of course, that uh, there is a crash. You entrench special interest groups. You get people stuck in poverty. You get massive bureaucratic overheads that uh, uh, really want to have a financial incentive to keep the poor. 
And <clears throat> the more cynical among us might actually say, and I've certainly thought of this myself, the more cynical among us might actually say that uh, unconsciously perhaps, to, to put it as nicely as possible, uh, the ruling classes, when the problem of poverty was being solved, the ruling classes uh, stepped in to make sure it would never go away so that they could continue to justify their predations upon the general population, right? If the problem of poverty is is solved, you know, it's never perfectly solved, but if it's solved as much as we could imagine it being productively solved, which is where the free market and voluntarism and charity was taking it, then there's that much less uh, reason for the state, right? So they, it's, they wanted to make sure the poverty wouldn't go away, so they put in the welfare state and created this permanent underclass of poor people, which is another reason why they don't improve the schools, right? I mean, they, they don't improve the schools because uh, perceptive, intelligent reasoning and questioning and, and confident, well-educated, um, really good thinkers uh, would not put up with state predations in the way that they do, and it's another reason why uh, they, uh, some of the states don't ban corporal punishment uh, because without corporal punishment they can't get the cops, right? the, the people who end up being cops and, and uh, soldiers and so on. Right? So, so the, the ruling classes very much move, again I'm not saying this is a bunch of people in a smoky room, I just people have a great instinct for ruling over others, it's a very productive thing to do from a biological standpoint to be a parasite upon the host of the middle classes. And so the cynical might say, I'm not saying there's any proof for it, but they might say that just as the problem of poverty was about to be solved, the government came in and uh, ensured that it was going to continue and grow. And that is why they, they, did, they did that in order to maintain their power, right? Uh, so, so I think it's really, really important to ask that question of people when they say, well, if you don't want the welfare state, you want people to starve in the streets. So ask that question and be persistent. Well, what is going to happen to the millions and millions of people who are on welfare when the government runs out of money? What is going to happen to them? What is going to happen to all the people in old age security, uh, social security, old age pensions, when the government runs out of money? Right? What is going to happen to these people? And, and really push for an answer to that question, because it's a really, really important question, because we're always accused of not caring about people. I mean, I came from a very, very poor background. I haven't seen this stuff for many, many years up close. It is brutal what the effects, uh, the effects that this, uh, this stuff has uh, on the poor, the welfare state and so on has on the poor. And when the government runs out of money, and it will, anything which mathematically cannot continue, lo and behold, will not continue. When the government runs out of money, what is going to happen to these people who have no history of work, uh, no job skills, you know, three kids under six years old because they can survive that way, and they've made their life choices based on this belief that welfare is going to continue. What is going to happen when it is cut significantly? Say, so, well, they'll get a job. Well, but the problem is <laughs> they can't get jobs because most of the low-skilled jobs have been moved offshore uh, because of you know, a variety of reasons, like high minimum wages and unions and you know, the bad kinds of unions, not the voluntary kinds of unions, the state kind of unions. So they can't, they really, there are no jobs available for uh, these people. Uh, what is going to happen to them when the money for public housing runs out, when the money for welfare runs out, when the schools uh, can no longer uh, function? What is going to happen to the poor when the government runs out of money, when the, you have generations of people addicted to the blood money of state largesse? What is going to happen when that runs out? And it's going to run out. That is incontrovertible. It will absolutely be within our lifetimes, it will very likely be within the next five years, probably within the next three, things are going to hit the wall, right? So what is going to happen to these people? And I think that's a really, really important question to, um, 
to ask. Because societies like people, sadly, you know, in the absence of reason, in the absence of philosophy, in the absence of wisdom and self-knowledge, you simply will only change because you hit bottom. This is the way that, this is how it works with addicts, right? As far as I understand it, if if uh, if they're not willing to face up to their demons, but simply medicate them, self-medicate them with uh, drugs, they will not change. They will only change when they hit bottom. And so I think it's really important again to stop defending freedom, and to stop accepting that the status quo of statism either is productive or is going to continue. What is going to happen to the poor people, to the sick, to the needy, to the old? to those who cannot economically fend for themselves to some degree because of the state. What is going to happen to those people when the state runs out of money? I think then the compassion of voluntarism, the care and concern for the needy that is represented by voluntarism, by nonviolent solution to, to social problems, which are continual, right? You can actually continue a nonviolent solution to a social problem. You can never continue a violent solution to a social problem. So I think the compassion of voluntarists needs to come first and foremost. And I think to do that, we have to stop accepting that the state system is moral or productive. We have to accept and repeatedly amplify that the state system simply cannot and will not continue. And to demand answers from the status as to how they envision things are going to work when the system that they claim is working very soon stops working.